Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Give it to me. Give it to me. Oh, hello, everyone. I'm Molly Wood. And I'm Tom Merritt. Welcome to It's a Thing, the weekly podcast supported by you where we analyze the hottest trends and happenings and things that are a thing by our not-quite-yet-patented scientific method of poking our little mole heads out of our caves and seeing what we see. Wait, Thanks for joining us. What's out there? What's out there? What's out there? Yeah, uh, this is, this is uh, I think our show does two things. One, uh, it entertains because I think we find interesting things to talk about and we find interesting ways to talk about them. I like to flatter ourselves that we do that. But number two... It helps you appear to be trendier. In the know. In, In the know. The know. And I have to say, I'm just going to go ahead and say that this is the last week that I am going to be able to put off my child who has demanded a guest appearance on this really? show. Because yeah. he is so sure that he has his little 12-year-old finger on the pulse of everything that's happening in the world. And he's his not wrong. Finger. <laughs> <laughs> so so tell us, would you, fans, if you think that the 12-year-old perspective on life would, would help you be like more in the in the hip in the hip lane. Feedback hip, at it's a thing dot me mm-hmm. or on our Discord. And um, thanks before we even get started to all of you who have supported us on Patreon, patreon.com slash it's a thing. Thank you. You are the reason that we get up on Saturday morning and sit around in our bathrobes drinking coffee and record this show. Sometimes on Friday afternoon with cider. Either yeah. way, it's a delight. I'm having coffee this morning. I'm having uh, I'm in my I'm, bathroom. I'm, in, I'm, I'm not dressed either. <laughs> I mean, I have clothes on. Don't get me wrong. It got that. weird. It yeah. got weird. No, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm in my pajamas. That's what I'm trying to say. I am going to tell you, just as, a, just as like a piece of advice, if you're a bathrobe person, that my new thing vis-a-vis bathrobes is that, you know, the Kimpton hotels have... They're they're known for like really funky bathrobes, like oh, okay. leopard stripe mm-hmm. and you know cheetah print and whatever. And I stayed in one and had this amazing leopard stripe bathrobe, and I was like, "Yep, you did it." And I went on their website and I bought it, and it's the greatest thing ever. And I would live in it if I could. You know, I just realized that being dressed has changed its meaning over the centuries. <laughs> you just I was realize. using I was using being dressed. In a like seventeenth century manner of like <laughs> up being appropriately dressed, right? And it, and of course, it sounds to our modern ears like you're not wearing any clothes if you say you're not dressed. I'm totally yes, but you're adorable because now I'm picturing you putting on your like bubonic plague laced like you know pirate looking shirt and your breeches. <laughs> Why is it your- I am getting that thing cleaned. It's ah, <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, they they had they had outfits. The the gentry anyway had outfits for everything. I'm sure I'm sure if podcasting had been a thing, there would have been a po- yeah appropriate. Po- I have to get dressed for podcasting in my podcasting clothes. Also a thing, Tom's oldie timey obsessions. <laughs> in case you're new here, welcome to the yeah. real Tom Merritt. <laughs> that actually uh, leads quite nicely into my first thing, which is trains. Ah, amazing. <laughs> 
<laughs> Oldie timey travel, I see. Yeah, so so this this occurred to me when I was listening to the Economist podcast this week, and they they had a little segment about the return of sleeper trains, mostly in Europe, uh, but it's actually catching on a little bit in the United States as well, uh, where people are looking at commuter flights and not even so much the price as the the distress of having to like drive and park and go through security. And folks are realizing, man, you know what? It may take a little longer, but what if I just take a sleeper train, you know, and, and I'll, I have a comfortable place to, to rest. I can have dinner in the dining car, wake up in the morning refreshed and be at my destination. Uh, and, and this is a real trend. I'm not saying wouldn't that be nice. Like sleeper trains are not only starting to see a, a pickup in ridership, but for a couple of years now, new routes have been added in places like Sweden and, and Eastern Europe and even in the U.K., Amazing. I'm, I am. It's funny because you mentioned this showing up in the Economist podcast and I was just thinking, oh, wait, I've seen this really recently in the Wall Street Journal, too. And I think you have totally nailed that it is a returning thing. And the, this National Geographic article even notes that there is a bit of a trend for slow travel, which I didn't know. But uh, I personally am all for this. And I would like to I mean, if you have to because a red eye, I'll do anything to not take a red eye. Like, oh, yeah, I'm about to chew up two full days of my life on an airplane to and from Boston because I'm like, I'm uh-huh. not taking a red eye. I'm just not doing it. Like, well, seriously, though, like, it, it's okay. horrific. if you can get the lay flat bed, right, then maybe yeah. you can sleep overnight on that loud jet aircraft, possibly. Yeah. But. For the majority of us, which is most of the seats on a plane, you're going to be sitting up in some uncomfortable economy or maybe economy plus type seat. There's no there's no sleep. I know some people can sleep and I, I'm jealous of them, but no sleeping I mean, for me. In those I can seats. sleep, but it doesn't. It's not real. It's not you know? real sleep. It's not real no. sleep. Yeah. And I would imagine uh, now I want to like look it up. I, I would imagine that a overnight in a sleeper car or I, maybe a couple nights, it would probably take me like four days to get to Boston. Let's be honest on the train. Um, yeah, who knows? I think it might be three, actually. Okay, but I think I looked it up to Chicago recently. Yeah, but it's probably not ten thousand dollars either. Like it would be, you know. I know. I think. I wonder what the slow travel trend is all about, and I wonder also if the return of trains and the nostalgia is just because flying is horrible. This is like an inevitable reaction to all of us trying to figure out any other way, and in the absence of freaking teleporting, I will almost do anything not to fly. Like that's yeah. how bad, you know, and it's this like just the the sort of economic side of it, right? Being this industry that just is so abusive, <laughs> like it just raises prices and it just adds fees and it, you know, they they're, they unapologetically make the seats smaller to make more money. Like no wonder people are like, nah, I'll take three days to get where I'm going rather than united. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, it's it's that's the kickoff point, right? Which is. It doesn't act, you know, I've had that moment where I'm like, is it actually faster for me to drive than fly? Mm-hmm. When you count the security time and having to get there early to make sure you don't miss it, et cetera. I mean, I think everybody's done that. And then there's the hassle on top mm-hmm. of it of going through security and waiting to board and being in that crowded area to where you're like, you know what? Even if this adds a little time, why, you know, why should I care? Right. Like, <laughs> it's like, like, I'd rather. Yeah, two days. Two days to get from San Francisco to Boston. Really? On a train. I kind of want to. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I want to look I, up I how mean, much the sleeper train is. 
I basically just I looked up San Francisco to Boston for for a Saturday, uh-huh. uh, and it leaves at nine ten a.m. on a Saturday. The uh, oh, I guess no. I'm sorry. This is three days. Yeah, I apologize. I was like, how would they do that? I thought I looked at Saturday, but I did. I did Friday apparently because mm-hmm. it it leaves at nine ten a.m. on April twenty sixth and arrives at two fifty p.m. Sunday April twenty eighth. On the California Zephyr. <laughs> the California Zephyr. So yeah. awesome. Yeah, I it makes I have to say that just purely as a backlash to the horrificness of flying and the business of flying. And I, it's sort of one of those where like I know there's no alternative, but I know that someday the day is gonna come and all of us cannot wait to just dump airlines on their abusive asses. And I have to feel that the return to trains is at least a tiny, tiny part of that. I, especially in Europe, I know in the United States, Amtrak is problematic at best. Uh, but but in in Europe, where trains never did kind of fall into the to the nadir that that Amtrak has here, uh, just to, you know, adding more routes and and upgrading a little bit, uh, I think becomes a really attractive option. Mm-hmm. And there's sleeper trains around the world. There's there's that uh, Sarah Lane was telling me on Good Day Internet the other day about this sleeper train she took, like through. Mongolia and China and Russia. What? That's like a multi. It's a multi-day train. Wow. Yeah. Amtrak. I'm now seeing has. I'm like way down this rabbit hole, and I want to do it. <laughs> Amtrak has whole vacation packages, like sort of a like oh, a See yeah. America on the train package. You see America by train. Ooh. Plus, I mean, even again, there's the extra time. But if the the idea of the red eye flight is like oh you just sleep through it so you know it's almost as if you didn't travel at all except you can't sleep on a plane mm-hmm. if you can sleep on the train with it gently rocking you you know as you as you fall to sleep like that sounds pretty great ooh they have like a zion one okay i'm going to i'm going to you know what i'm going to close this now cuz otherwise i'm going to book a trip <laughs> you're just going to end like, up booking a trip to utah just, just give me a quick <laughs> second go to joshua tree on the amtrak <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing um, I am, my thing is so like, I, both of my things are things that a certain segment of people already knew was a thing and are going to be like rolling their eyes, but I'm just going to cement them because I have recently purchased both. Uh-huh. So, so that is my metric this week. Like it is a thing. I know it's a thing because I bought it. And the first one is clear flame. Clear frame glasses. Listen, people, stop rolling your eyes in your clear frame glasses. Exactly. We're not always predictive of things. No. We're we're identifying things. And it, if you knew about it already, cool, cool good for you. But cool. not every share with the rest of the class. Not everybody in the audience did. And this is just like a this is one of those things where it's a peak thing. I think we've like hit critical mass. Yeah, on this once thing. you start seeing it on the uh, pharmaceutical commercials, I think that totally <laughs> that identifies yes. it as peak thing. And old ladies like me, because clear glasses <laughs> were, and I mean, I even remember that. It's not the funny thing is that it's one of those things that had become so background, ironically, since they're clear and they fade into the. Oh uh, yeah, right. Background. I see what you did there. That's Thanks. good. Thanks. Yeah, like I've been seeing them on hipsters for a long time. Right. And have definitely, and just had never made the mental connection like oh i should put that on the show because they're clearly a thing and then now so like in 2017 they were the hottest street style right and then now they're in the you know 
latest eyewear trends top most popular fashion frames of 2019. <laughs> I literally of I thing. literally just took off my glasses that I just got a month ago and realized the bottom half is clear. Oh dang. Yeah. <laughs> I did I think I thought of it as gray to be honest, no, but it's clear. It's just it's just half clear. You have them. You know it's like fully fledged peak thing too when you go to the store and it's like that's all you can find. That's just like, that, yeah. Right. You accidentally bought them because like you, these look cool. No, you totally nailed it because I like I bought clear frame, at least half clear frame glasses without even realizing it. It's it's half a thing. Is that a yep, yep, Rich already said that. I'm halfway on board. In the Discord. It's half a thing. But it you know there's a level of thing, like I'm also dissecting the sort of meta thingness of this thing. Yeah. Because you know something has become a full fledged phenomenon. When you see it, you're drawn to it, you think it looks really cool and you buy it, but you aren't really sure why. Like you didn't do the work that we do, the really hard work we do on this podcast of excavating the origin or the time frame. (laughs) You just were like... Oh, these look cool. I should get these clear ones. Which it's is what... that monkey monkey part of your brain that just imitates, right? Right. That's and, exactly and, it. And I say that pointing at myself with half clear frames on my face. Not you know, like uh-huh. I I did exactly what you're talking about, right? I just yep. was like, oh yeah, that looks cool. I don't know why. It just yeah. permeates. It just permeates, and that that there that's like its own category of thing. And that's where we are with the clear frame glasses. And <sighs> for me, I bought them. Oh. I bought. I had to get readers. Oh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Welcome to my world. And um, oh, it's fine. It's okay. You'll get used to it. Anyway, and then it was really bugging me, kind of like I had a minivan or something. And so I had all due respect to minivan <laughs> people. I know they're very practical. Um, so I had to go get cooler ones. And so I went on Amazon and I was like, these clear ones look cool. And then I'm like, oh right, because these are a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and-, and I love them, but they're a little too big. And so if I'm being perfectly honest, they look a little like safety glasses. But I don't care. But that's that's cool, right? They're Maybe cool. this could be the kind of thing that 15, 20 years now, from now, everyone will look back and like, why did you wear those things that look like safety glasses? Like, mm-hmm. well, it was all the rage. That's what yep. we did back in the teens. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I, I also, when I bought these glasses, was given a choice. They actually ordered uh, my, my lenses in two different frames. And the other frame was tortoise shell. And I oh, chose that's, these. Yeah. It's tortoise shell's on its way out. <clears throat> is, it, is it out? Mm, well, I don't know. Well, yeah, we're it simplifying is, now. We according to the, my monkey brain, it is because I didn't think about it much. We just want the subtle. That was then and <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clear. You know, and the other thing about clear, too, which I think is really interesting, is we tend to go from like black to beige to silver to wood grain, you know, like in, in the colors of appliances, particularly, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of, and devices. So I wonder if clear is like a brand new territory. Will we start to see clear phones, clear well, laptops? So like, that's really interesting because I have been noodling on a thing uh-huh. that I had in today's show and took out, but that is white electronics. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. Like I remember I'm, seeing that. Yeah, like a lot more gadgets are coming in white. And it, mm-hmm. and I credit my brother with being on the cutting edge of this trend because he's been obsessed with white electronics for like two years. But now I'm starting to see like, oh, actually, a lot of them are offered in white. And you can yeah. get like a Sonos Beam. And I mean, Sonos, that doesn't surprise me. But it's almost like if you want to look classy and yeah. a little more expensive, then your your gadgets are white. And really clear, shows the dirt, though. But it is interesting that we're that there does seem to be a stylistic trend away from, you know, Darth Vader 
and right. toward come to the light <laughs> toward Ray. <laughs> hey, so so you're right. White is the new trend, but I I, I do wonder if clear ever catches on as like oh you can see inside and see the parts. And... That would be kind of awesome. Yeah, I would like that. I would too. Make it so world. We have we we have commanded it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, my other thing started with this uh, CNET article about uh, the Xbox One S, uh, which doesn't come with an optical drive, uh, which is kind of a big test for them to say like, hey, well, can we sell a thing that just downloads the games rather than being able to play them off of a disc? And in the CNET article, uh, they wrote, Microsoft also said that brick and mortar game retailers will sell download codes since it found that teenagers are three times more likely to buy in a store than online. Hmm. Now, that got me thinking, well, wait a minute. There's also this trend, especially among millennials, not so much teens, I guess, I don't really know, but among millennials to prefer printed books over ebooks or audiobooks. Mm-hmm. That's That's been kind of... Uh, something that's been documented. I think we've even talked about it on It's a Thing before. There's also the resurgence of vinyl. Every time the MPAA, or I'm sorry, the RIAA puts out its 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 sales numbers for the year, it's always an uptick in streaming and an uptick in vinyl <laughs> sales mm-hmm. while everything else declines. So I'm I'm wondering if we're seeing like a a, a sort of a mega trend back towards physical. Like, I, I still want to go to a store for some things. I still want to hold a thing for some things. It's something we, you and I have been talking about this for decades. Like, I think this will happen. I'm wondering if we're finally starting to see that happen. I mean, you got to figure that we are when Amazon is opening retail stores. Even some of the, the you know, on-demand, online, like, brandless, which is like, you know, brand new kind of grocery delivery is thinking like, oh, we need a physical store. We need kiosks. Um and then I think it all does sort of fit into this nostalgia economy. Like, I really mm-hmm. think we're at peak at nostalgia economy with the, the 90s trends. And like you said, the the vintage clothes and the, yeah, the yeah. vinyl and all of these sort of like right. physical little doody doos. It makes perfect sense that retail would go that route as well. And also, I think that sellers found that, you know, that people do want that combination of convenience and and tactile tactile. Yeah. I do. Well, and 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 also I I am not one of these people, but most people want to interact with a person when they shop. Yeah. What? They want to get Wait, they want to bounce ideas and get advice and, you know, get help and and I will say uh even 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 I sometimes I'm like I just need to talk to a person. I you know, I can't go through your support pages anymore. I can't talk to your chat bot anymore. I need to talk to an actual person to get this done faster. Like that that is definitely a thing. That's true. <laughs> like default to human is definitely a thing yeah. in, in customers. And I, I, all of this is like good news as we it, sometimes like especially if you are mm, a sci-fi reader, you know, like the two of us may be. It, it gets easy mm-hmm. to fall into this idea that the, the path dis- dependency to dystopia and like computers taking over and and Wally like, the yeah. you know, it, you think that 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 march toward the wall existence where everything's like virtual and through a straw and in a chair is inevitable until you kind of realize that human nature will interrupt that cycle, I think, because we're social and 
people don't actually, most people don't like to stay inside after a certain point. Like it gets kind of stinky and you want some fresh air. You know, I mean, there's just like, yeah. there is a part of human psychology, I think, that that pushes us toward enjoying the old, but also interacting at that real level. Do I'll throw out furniture as an example. Mm. Machine made furniture is almost flawless, right? Now, I'm not talking about Ikea, but you can have a machine make a very solid, expensive piece of furniture that's well-constructed, uh, and, and it's probably the, the best thing practically that you can buy. But what do we like? We like craftsman-made antiques. Mm-hmm. You know, like there is an intangible that we want to be told, like, this wasn't made by a machine. This was handmade. That, that carries value already. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh-huh. I, I think that permeates in all of this. There's a, did you see the, there was a New York Times article a couple of months ago, I want to say, Nellie Bowles, and it was about how face-to-face time is a, increasingly becoming a luxury good, mm-hmm. like personal interaction. But when you say that about craftsmen made, like, I wonder if there is going to be this sort of luxury layer that is tangible. And everybody, yeah. okay, now it got dystopian. Now I went dark. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, you took away our dystopian future of of computers dominated everything in a Wally universe, so I had to come up with a new one. <laughs> well, and then I went to computers dominate everything only for the poor. Aww. Yeah. Well, the uh, universal basic income will save us all, so we'll uh-huh. all be rich in the future. We're yeah. fixed. We're saved. Yay. Thank you. I do. Monty I will Yang. say that if '90s nostalgia also ushers in like the return of a full-on mall, I'll be stoked. Interesting. You Malls know what? Actually. Fun. Uh, this is a promise I will make to you, the It's a Thing listener. There are two stores that recently went out of business near me. Uh, and, and my neighborhood isn't falling apart, so it's not like, oh, a bad sign. The, one was a beauty store, like a discount beauty store. And the other was a uh, an old, and very sadly, it was a family-run uh, pharmacy. And they both went out of business because there's a CVS and a Ralph's right, right around there. Mm-hmm. So it's, they just got out-competed by the chains, right? Old story, sad story, but... I'm very curious what goes into those places. Mall, mall. <laughs> like, is it going to be? I don't know. I don't know what's going to go yeah, in there. I don't know. There's it's a probably going to be things. an insurance agent, and I'm going to be really sad. But I'm just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna save what I'm thinking for a future episode because okay, there, it's a sub thing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway, to pull us back from retail. Yeah. Pull us back from the dystopian future uh, and 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 but other treats. future things. Uh, I I think uh, I I think being in person interaction and physical objects uh, not going to go away as fast as maybe people thought. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. And that's funny because my thing is not only a bit of a like a treat. It's dessert. It's dessert for the episode. But uh-huh. it, but it also happens to come. In an oldie fashioned container that is a ah. big part of its charm. And now again, some of you will have already experienced this and already know that it's a thing. But I recently tipped over and bought it. So there you go. Talenti Gelato. Oh, I have experienced this. Are you familiar with Talenti Gelato? <laughs> the coffee toffee has uh, passed over my taste buds quite it- enjoyably. Yeah, so it, if you don't know it, it's really, it's like a cult. It was a cult favorite sort of gelato brand, and it comes in these cute plastic jars with like a screw top that 
And just as a side note, is apparently famous for being screwed down so tight that you can't barely even open your jar. <laughs> and I bought some and it was really, really hard to open. Like I had to resort to I have these like silicon kind of. Um, oh, yeah. The lid, lid pads, openers. But you can yeah, yeah, yeah. Lid opener. Yeah, I had to do that. I was just like, what? Those is are classic. Happening? We had those in the 70s when I was growing up. Those, yeah, those, those are forever. amazing. They're like the greatest kitchen hack ever. And I had to use it to open my Talenti gelato. But it was such a it became such a hit that the Unilever bought it a couple of years ago. And then there are there are all these articles about whether people just buy them actually for the packaging because the packaging is like so freaking cute with the little oldie timey jars. Uh, but I'm also here to report. And I so I had started to realize it was a thing because I went to my little neighborhood bodega. <laughs> I poked uh-huh. my little mole head out of the basement, <laughs> walked around a corner to the store and like the cooler had broken one day. Oh, no. And there was no ice cream and specifically this Talenti gelato. And this lady was in this store having a meltdown. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> her cooler that was had an broken accident, too. But her cooler was broken. And she was just like, I just I need this gelato. And I just got come here every day for this gelato. And I can't even believe it's here. Not here. And she just was having a, like a fit. And so then the next oh, time I was man. in, I'm like. I guess I'm gonna try this. <laughs> she ended up. It was she was actually an employee of Unilever. She probably there. was seriously, and they have a bunch of like really fancy flavors, and apparently they roll out like some special flavors every year. I don't know. I bought chocolate peanut butter, and mm-hmm. it was so good that my son was sitting next to me and was like, "What do you got there?" And I told him that it was a rhubarb turmeric shrimp extract. <laughs> you did, yeah. And he he bought it for like a long time because apparently he thinks I am a weirdo. If I hadn't thrown in the you shrimp. You told him the peanut butter chocolate? was rhubarb turmeric shrimp extract. Then wow. that was good for your skin. Because I didn't want him to have any. It was so good. That's the best story I've heard in a long time. And then, That's amazing. I think if I had left off the shrimp, because rhubarb turmeric totally sounds like something that you're like annoying Northern California yeah. mom would eat because it's good. It's totally. anti-inflammatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The shrimp thing kind of stole. And the shrimp thing, what happened is it made him too curious. Yeah. And so he was like, I want to try it. And then he goes, What does it taste like? And I was like, Nothing. And then he plucked it out of my hands. And then that was it. Now we oh have to go buy more. But the jar <laughs> is really cute. <laughs> Rhubarb turmeric. Yeah, shrimp extract. That was your, that you went over the line with that. I, went over I think the line. you might have got away with it for years if you hadn't added the shrimp. Absolutely. Maybe. Be like, my hindsight's oh, 2020, right? My but. favorite rhubarb. Yeah, but no, this is a good lesson about lying, children. Uh huh. You got to keep it boring. <laughs> you got to keep the lies a little bit boring. Like, you don't want to go too gross. Yeah. I went too gross. And it, and then he was curious. Never go, Joe says in the Discord, never go full shrimp extract. Yeah. Exactly. Good to know. Good to know. We've all learned something today. Thank you. Uh, man, I hadn't realized about keeping the Talenti jars. Oh, yeah. And I'm excited. Yeah. Keep my jar. Yeah. Like, and you could put like. Now, now I have to go buy Talenti gelato more often <laughs> for the jars. It all says right. I need to right here in this Washington Post article. It does. It totally does. I still haven't finished mine, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put something in that jar. I can already tell. Money. I don't know. Anyway, let's uh, let's find about some things from all of you, shall we? Yes, indeed. Uh, Big Jim uh, wrote in and said, "Hey, Tom and Molly, because none of us is as smart as all of us, and I want what I want when I want it on whatever damn device I want it. I need to know about Tesla batteries in classic cars. What? I saw one of those Omaze ads to donate and become a possible winner of a Volkswagen Beetle that had Tesla batteries powering it, which made me think, is this a gimmick or is this a thing? Oh, my God. 
Meet the DIY Mechanics. Oh, no, I accidentally clicked away. Meet the DIY Mechanics retrofitting classic cars with electric motors. Oh, there's a Shelby Cobra with this, a this, this makes perfect sense. Years ago, probably 10 years ago now, at a maker fair, there was a guy touting uh, converting cars to electric. And he had started with Priuses. Because they were hybrids, right? And he's like, I can make your Prius be fully electric, plug-in electric. But he was also saying, and I can, if you can get a hold of the batteries, which are a little hard to get, uh, you know, I can put batteries in other cars and make them electric. Hmm. And he, he was a little light on those details, but this has progressed, apparently. Well, yeah. So there's a site called, I mean, I could totally see this as a way maybe even to extend the life of the batteries that is a you know that's a complaint about electric cars which is like when the when you sell the car when the battery gets older like maybe it'll get discarded and leach mercury or whatever it does right there is i mean it's teslarati.com so consider the source but it says that the the a study based on data from model s and model x owners suggests that the battery pack would still have 80 percent capacity after reaching over five hundred thousand miles hmm and if that was the case, then then sure, even if the like car fell apart all around you, right. you know, take the battery out and put it in a Shelby Cobra. Dang. Well, I mean, as someone who drives a 2002 Prius, <laughs> I have replaced the 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 drive battery once, not not the car battery that you know powers your radio and stuff, but the one that actually drives the car, mm-hmm. and it was just just under three thousand dollars hmm. to replace that battery pack. Yeah, and it, honestly, if you if you invested, that's funny because I've had a long time dream. So my absolute dream car is a 1985 Land Cruiser, which I know you weren't didn't expect, but I just love it. It's just like the biggest, baddest camping car of all time, but it gets like four miles to the gallon. <laughs> wow, it's, it's that probably is a better car. than that. I mean, it's I've probably, seen that car. It's not really isn't that the, that car is like it's. That's the best. That's the one. It's 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 like a it's it's basically what what Land Rovers are trying to look like now, mm-hmm. but in 1985. Yeah, it's yeah. just a big, awesome uh-huh. box. Um, but I always thought, oh, it'd be great to buy it and convert it to like biodiesel or something. Yeah, like that, yeah, you know? yeah. But what if I made it electric? Well, but then it's no good as a zombie car. The reason I can't have a Tesla is because I I only have one car, and I just if the zombies come, I want gas. I want gas. Well, so hybrid. You'd, you'd keep your gas engine in it then. Oh, yeah. Gas electric. Oh, gas electric. Oh, dude. Someone yeah. call me. I know someone out there is ready <laughs> to like the land Titanic. <laughs> Look what you've done, Big Jim. <laughs> I know, Big Jim. So it, to answer your question in a very, very long roundabout way, I don't know if it is a thing, but it is now. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Eric from Chesapeake, Virginia says, uh, as a fan since the BOL days, I am loving It's a Thing's Return and says, I'm late getting this email out, but Wolfram Alpha is a great resource for exploring the old lady baby names you were discussing in episode 55. It shows some interesting graphs of a name's popularity and says names like Eleanor, Penelope, and Beatrice have a clear peak in the early 1900s and then fade out until a second rise beginning to form in the 2020s. And there's a neat age distribution graph that shows most Penelope's are infants followed closely by 60 or 70 year olds. I love that. That's amazing. Visualization. Our stereotype of Penelope as an old lady is wrong. It should be a baby. Or an old lady. Well, our stereotype should be a baby because they're, the, they're the more common. Oh, I get it. I see what you did there. Also, yeah. update. 
finally saw Captain Marvel. Totally get the cat thing. Boom. Oh, good. Yep. Yeah. Totally on board. On board. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, yeah. Well, it's not a cat, right? Uh-huh. Flirkin. Flirkin. I couldn't remember what that was. I'm glad you did. <laughs> it was, you know, because I saw it somewhat recently. I'm embarrassed to say. And that is our show, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for listening. To it's a thing. You can become a member, become a patron, become a supporter, and get access to great stuff like our Discord, where you can chat with us live during every recording whether it happens on Friday afternoons with cider or Saturday mornings with coffee. Mm -hmm. Uh, You also get an ad-free RSS feed, and there are many more options like the ability to suggest a tagline or get a personalized shout-out. All of that can be found at patreon.com slash it's a thing. And you can also email us. Don't don't ever think you can't. uh, Feedback at it's a thing dot me. See you next week. Talk to you then. Bye. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.